I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but when my friend Clay Mason Bannerman and I want to impress our new lady friends, Tiffer and Mickey, we don't even have to take them to a restaurant. That's because we have an entire freezer stocked full of butcher box, and that includes high-quality meat and seafood that we can trust. It's so convenient. It's delivered right to our doorstep, and there's always free shipping. I mean, where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Tiffer and Mickey love it, and so will you. At least one of them is always around asking when the new ButcherBox is arriving. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash mega and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional 20 bucks off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash mega and use code mega to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus 20 bucks off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Mega is an improvised satire from the staff of a fictional megachurch. Uh, hi, I'm Dale Lebon, and uh, this is Mega. Uh, hi, I'm Dale Lebon, and this is Mega. Don't be nervous, uh, buddy. Just just go for it. Um, from Twin Hills Community Church in uh, Broad Ripple, Indiana, in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, and uh, this is my mom's co-host, Gray Haas. <laughs> What's up to the apostles? How are you? Day, it's so awesome that you're here today. I am so excited to have you back. Oh, thanks so much. That makes me feel so good. I'm really happy to be here. Well, we know why you're back is because we've got big, great news. Do you want to tell everybody why you're here? Uh, uh, to well, you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. What? Day, I mean, I mean, day, you you welcome Jesus into your life, into your heart, which is awesome. Oh yeah, because of the mosh pit. Yeah, we had a big, awesome altar call uh, kind of mosh pit uh, two weekends ago, and I looked around, and lo and behold, you were up there with some of your kind of weird friends and having a good time and and really letting Jesus into your heart, and I just said, wow, you know, Christ can work in really mysterious ways, and I'm just so glad that you've come to accept it. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that much, but I thought that was really tight. I like that. I, I like that a lot. You should I know. That's why we did it. Yeah, that's yeah. why I did it. Yeah. It I knew everybody yeah. would get really excited to do that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so congratulations, Day. How do you feel? Do you feel different now that you're a Christian? 
Oh, um, it's interesting that you say that actually, because I was talking to my mom about that because they, you know, a lot of, um, the church talks about like you invite Jesus into your heart, which is language that like does not uh, appear in the Bible. And also that then you're like born again, which is also language that doesn't appear in the Bible because even in that Nicodemus passage where, or, or the passage where that's about, um, that says born again, actually in the original text is born from above. Okay. And right. it's referring to, um, actually resurrection af- after your life but um i see what you're saying day 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 day. okay slow your roll i'm here sorry are you okay man sorry i choked on my energy drink oh okay day i'm gonna just slow your roll here for a second i'm saying you finally accepted jesus i don't want to get into all this semantics about different words and where they were used in the Bible and everything else. You've got to be feeling awesome and you've got to be feeling pumped up. I mean, you are going to live forever now. And now that you are a Christian, you've got to wear the mantle of Christ. And I just think that is such a cool thing. I think, I, like, why don't you, can't you just, you know, relax for a minute is what I'm telling you. Okay. And just really lean into this idea that, you know, God's got a plan for your life now. Oh, God has a plan for my life. I know has, you know, God's got a plan for your life. Oh, why do you think that? Uh, because the Bible tells us that God's got a plan for your life. That's that's in the Bible. Like, I mean, what, I gotta look scripture? it up. Oh, oh, you're thinking of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven when God says, "Surely yeah. I know the plans I have for you." Yes, that's exactly what I'm speaking of. Oh, cool. Except that God was speaking to the nation of Israel in that passage, and he was referring to Jesus coming as the Messiah. That's the plan that he's talking about. So maybe telling young people to tune into God's plan for them isn't exactly helpful instruction. In fact, it gave me anxiety for years, just wondering, like, oh, what is God's plan for me, and how am I supposed to discover it, and what if I get off course, you know? But, I mean, Jesus never mentioned God having a plan for our lives. But in Matthew 6, 34, Jesus does say not to worry about tomorrow. So that'd be cool if, like, maybe Jesus is saying just be present. Like, maybe that's a good plan. Like, yeah. be present because right. then you'll have less anxiety and depression and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to be present right now, Day. And what I'm telling oh. you is, yeah, don't worry about tomorrow because okay. you can think of yourself as, a, you know, you are like the, the people of Israel. God does have a plan for your life now. And I think that's right. You should be in the present. And if you're in the present, you can hear that still, small voice of God telling you where to go, what to do, and how to do it. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. I just... um. Okay. I'm trying to like wrap my head around the tradition that I was born into. And and I feel like I've tried so long to like believe it and to like get it right. And so I do a lot of reading and studying about it. Right. You definitely haven't gotten it right up to this point, but I'm hoping that after the mosh pit two weekends ago, you're going to kind of like divorce yourself from all that uh, stuff and confusing stuff that you've been reading and doing and instead recommit your life to you know, following Jesus. I think it's pretty easy day. You think the Bible's confusing? I think the Bible is very straightforward. Oh, yeah. I think it's got the answers for everything. Oh, you do? Totally. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah, so just, you know, lean into it. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I did want to tell you, it's interesting that the last time I was here, I was like theorizing that most Christians reference the Bible as their source of morality and the basis of their entire belief system, but they're actually not reading it and they don't know what's in there. And you know what I learned is that I realized that there's this like longstanding trend, I guess you would say, with believers not reading their sacred texts that they're basing their lives on. And the roots of that come from illiteracy. 
Like most of the people who were exposed to the original text of the Old Testament were illiterate. So they went to the temple for the leaders to tell them what was in there. Believe and me, it guys, was like, sometimes I wish you were illiterate. Oh, I actually really love to read. Right, and, I know. I think that's part of the problem. But like most of Western civil, like religious history of Western civilization was like that too. Like, um, you know, people would go to church so that they, cause they, they, cause they couldn't read. But, you know, even now that like our current Bible has been canonized and, you know, um, we're not like peasants who have to go to church to hear what's in the Bible, but we can actually read it themselves. Um, now, you know, most, though most current, current Christians can read, they still go to church to have someone else explain it to them. So maybe it's just a tradition to not read it. <laughs> But I have been reading it. Like, I actually know what's in there. Right. You know, Day, you could actually maybe stand to read a little less of it and do a little more listening about people who really do know it and can tell you what to think about it. Rather than just read it myself. And right. Like, like me, like your mom, like Steve, like we've read it and we know what's in there and we know how to teach it. And I think sometimes, you know, Day, I liken it to, uh, okay, you want to shoot a crossbow you've never shot a crossbow before and you load up a crossbow and then look out you end up with a arrow you know through your 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 shoulder blade or something like that because you didn't know how to load it right you point it in the wrong direction uh you know you held on to the arrow pad and it shot the you know, the the gun part rather than the other way around. You know what I mean. And basically the Bible is just like that. You've got to know how to use the Bible so that it is working properly when you go to dispatch it. And I think that is the problem is right now you've kind of like loaded up the wrong kind of stuff. And then when you go to use it, it's just coming out like, you know, you're shooting arrows all over the place, bud. It's going to ricochet. Mm. Okay. I think my favorite Bible story is when Jesus turns water into wine, or maybe I was just always kind of looking for that friend in high school. Anyway, I have a friend now that changes my need for dozens of cups of coffee into one little green super shot that I take in the afternoon, and that is Magic Mind. Talk about a miracle, y'all. I love being creative for a living, but one of the downsides is that you're tired all the time. And so I would caffeinate, and that would make me unfocused and jittery. And for someone doing an improv podcast, that's not always the best state of mind. Enter Magic Mind. I take one shot after lunch. I have less anxiety and stress and jitters. And due to the L-theanine, I think I'm saying that right, it helps your body produce less cortisol, and it chills you out. I reached out to Magic Mind because I use the product, and that's the God's honest truth. We have a 20% off code to share with y'all. It's M-E-G-A, mega. To use it, go to magicmind.co slash mega and enter the code mega at checkout. And the best part is there's a money back guarantee. If you get the subscription, it's 40% off. That's 40% off using the code M-E-G-A, but it only lasts 10 days, so hurry up. Thanks, Magic Mind. Well, let me ask you, like one of my biz- biggest questions is, is it, is it helpful? Is your faith, is it, is your faith helpful to you? Like it, does it bring you peace and joy or at least some like self-love or compassion? Totally. I'm awesome. Does it give you what you need? Like what, what is it that you need from it? Like, do you need answers and guideposts to understand or does it give you meaning or does it give you like a deep stillness and perspective or does it ease your suffering or 
I think it gives me all that day. I mean, really, and I'm speaking personally, I think my faith is awesome. I think it's ironclad and bulletproof. I think it helps me in times of need. I think it gives me answers in times of questioning. I think it gives me an awesome community like you, youth, and people, you know, in the youth group and Climax and um, uh, and also awesome adults in my life and people like Steve. And it, it's just, you know, it's my rock and foundation. And I think mm. once you have something like that, I mean, brother, you are not going to want to let it go. Mm. So it gives you answers to the unanswerable questions and it gives you like a mental hook to hang on to, like at funerals and hard times and stuff. But does it also kind of give you like a low grade anxiety or worse, like a self-loathing rather than self-compassion? Day The day I became a Christian, I knew that, you know what, this is actually taking the sinful creature that is me and it just is like totally transforming me into like this awesome version of myself oh, and uh, cool. so no doesn't give me anxiety and in fact it gives me it pumps me up mm-hmm. it's the reason i get up in the morning and oh, wow. uh yeah i've never even i've never looked back so it sounds like it's really good for you i was the best it's awesome it's funny, my dad, he recently had to have a colonoscopy and, okay. you know, that's something that's like good for you, but it's not fun, you know what I mean? But I honestly think that um, that uh, that's a way that a lot of Christians approach their belief system. Like, it's not fun, but I have to do it for my own good, you know, almost like a colonoscopy. So it's it's nice to hear that that it is just like really like pleasant for you as well because like before uh, his colonoscopy my dad he had to fast for a really long time and he had to drink this gallon of like disgusting prep liquid okay. and it was something that was like necessary for him for the good of his long-term health care and all that but you know like <laughs> i think about it like this sometimes like what if he were to go into a restaurant and say clear the tables take away everyone's fillets and fries and desserts because everyone has to drink this prep liquid because it's good for you so everyone has to do it and you know isn't that a little like what Christians are doing with their answers and their faith like I've committed to this thing so it must be for everyone like as a man I have to say you know that uh, I have to have a say in all women's private health care and in the marriages of other couples and in the books that are in schools I must determine what other people can and cannot do with their health and their bodies and their relationships and their free time day it's not like drinking a prep liquid I don't even know where you get these analogies sometimes but well, no, it's, it's just, like it's, drinking a delicious liquid that gives you all the sustenance you need. In fact, I'll, I'll do you one better. It's like drinking the best creatine shake you've ever had and mm. then going to gym and and being able to just lift anything, you know, really mm. gives you that much strength spiritually. Oh, cool. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's the essence of even evangelizing it's like this shake is so good i want it for everybody else like yeah, that. totally and also you know they have people that are, if they don't have that shake they're gonna end up at a you know at an orange theory okay so everyone has to live according to your standards because are you talking about because of heaven or hell you're saying? right because you know if they go to orange theory they're not going to be happy because i did that once and it was a nightmare what is Orange Theory is a workout place? Yeah, it's just like a gym that's filled with a lot of middle-aged ladies. Anyway, Day, I'm just saying that this is the best choice, and that's why it's awesome. That's why we're all so into it, this particular shake, if we're going to go up with this whole shake thing. So you want everyone to be able to taste your shake. Right. And, and, and the you know, we have to be Disciples of all nations. That means we've got to sign up everybody for this awesome gym that we're a part of. 
Because, because why? Because you're trying to save them from hell? You're trying to get them into heaven? Exactly. But I, it's funny. I was reading because like, there's not really biblical support for this idea that Christians are espousing about heaven. Like The Bible doesn't actually say that heaven is the final destination for people who have been atoned but you know, for by committing their lives to Christ. It, it just isn't in the Bible. And, and and if you think it is, please enlighten me with a scripture reference. Because like Christians tend to take a few New Testament verses and read them as if they're saying that heaven is where Christians are headed for like an eternal paradise, but that's just not supported by the text. When the Bible references heaven, it's referring to the spirit world as opposed to the material world. Like we have earth language in the Bible referencing the world around us that we experience through our five senses, but then the Bible says there is a spirit realm simultaneous to the material world. Like the idea of an eternal paradise awaiting you if you believe right is actually a medieval concept that comes from pagan theology or ideology. Uh, Day, have you just been watching Matrix all day long again? Oh, the new Matrix uh, isn't out yet. <laughs> it comes out on the 22nd. Okay, well, what I'm saying is what you're saying is, okay, great. You can call it the spiritual spiritual realm, but, you know, we're going to call it heaven, and that is where we are all going so that we can be with Christ again. It's interesting. Actually, now it makes me think of what we were saying about, like, illiterate people having to go to church to find out, like, what was in the sacred scriptures. Because, like, and we've already talked about the idea of hell before last time I was on here. And, and that, you know, the idea of hell has come to grip Christians as a place of eternal torment for the unsaved. It also, of course, is nowhere to be found in the Bible. But remember what I said about how the masses were illiterate, so they would go to church to tell someone? Well, right. that gave leaders the opportunity to create dogma to sway the culture. And those ideas took hold, and they're now commonly referred to by churchy jerk folk. Like the, the, But it's really just mind control methods to keep people in line. And now a lot of Christians think that morality is Bible-based. But again, they're not really reading the Bible or considering the actual character of God that's described in there in the Bible. Day, why does everything to you have to just be like a Bible thing? How about look around you? Because yes, the Bible's true, but also all of this awesome stuff around you is proof that God is real, Jesus is real, and look at the beautiful things he's doing in your life. I mean, look at this amazing Ooh. church community that you're a part of. Oh, uh, yeah, I want to hear more about that. Like, what's all the proof around me all the time? That's so cool. I, I mean, it's just like... You can't look at a tree or a, you know, awesome, like, you know, jet ski or anything like and think, oh, that is something that could exist without God. Because we are so wonderfully and fearfully made and we got these amazing brains. I mean, you don't see like a bunch of monkeys out there making jet skis. And so what I'm saying to you, Day, is the proof is all around you. We live in this wonderful mystery. And some things, indeed, can't be explained, and we will come to know the truth once we get to heaven, or the spiritual realm is what you want to call it. Fine day. I'm yeah, just but saying. That, that, but that's not one day. That's now. Like, the way the, the Bible talks about heaven is that it's now. It's like, right, it's simultaneous to the present. Oh, maybe that's why Jesus said to be present. <laughs> hey, you just made me think of something, though. If you're like, how can there be a tree or a jet ski? Um, have you heard of the God particle? No. It's, so it's something that's happening like with physicists and the over in, um, oh, the Hadron Collider is in, um, what country is that in? Um, CERN, over in CERN, I think it's Switzerland. There's a, uh, Hadron Collider that, um, 
is like basically it's like shoving particles at each other and it's creating these little big bangs and um like uh uh uh, uh these particles are like dripping off and they're catching what is like um uh the, the some physicists call it the god particle like um like the higgs field they're they're starting to like capture um like particles of the higgs field which they say is the like maybe it's the interconnectedness that's keeping everything together and that um uh and they call it the god particle because it's it's um something that's around us all the time but we can't see it and we don't uh recognize it according to the five senses that we have it's like if you were to tell a goldfish about water they'd be like what are you talking about like that's just nothing and you're like no you're in water dude it's the same thing like with us like we're in the higgs field and we're like well, what are you talking about no i'm not like there's nothing i'm just like waving my arms in the air in front of me and there's nothing there but uh physicists are like no no there is something there and it's the higgs field and we're starting to like understand it and they're calling it the god particle that holds everything together yeah i mean maybe we can agree on that because the more those physicists look around the more they're going to see evidence of god and it's not just a particle buddy i can tell you that and so I maybe think the more they look around, the more the evidence they'll see that trees and jet skis are all part of that amazing <laughs> awesomeness. But, but it's funny because, like, um, you could call it God. Okay, that's fine. Let's call it God. But it, it, it's funny because we could be picturing different things when when you say god like i always think that like with colors and stuff i'm like what if when i point to red and i'm like that's red i see it as something like it it looks like a certain color to me but you're seeing a totally different color but you name you learned that exact name of that color you're seeing as red and so we're actually seeing it different two different colors but we have learned it as the same name like maybe god's like that maybe like when you say god you picture like a white man who's in power and authoritative and like knows everything and can like tell everyone what to do all the time and then no, has like ultimate judgment color. over yeah. our souls at like some ending day but um maybe god is just connection maybe god is the interconnectedness of all of us that the that uh, uh and maybe that is the kingdom of heaven is when you're present and connected now you get to experience a little bit of that spiritual realm no, I mean, Day, first off, I don't think of God as a white man, okay? He's way more than that. He is white to me, maybe, when I think about him, but I also know that he's, like, more than that. And also, like you said, uh, you're being the more, you're being the limiting person about God here. I'm saying God is all of that and a bag of tricks, and you just are not even, you just, you want to focus down, and I want to say God is bigger than all that stuff you just said um okay you know what i honestly think i don't know if we've talked about this but you know what i honestly think is like maybe gonna be one of the like biggest challenges or maybe what is like kind of the nail in the coffin of like the future of christendom or whatever i feel like it really might be though like anti-gay stuff and i know like we're not anti-gay I know, but because you got First Corinthians six nine and First Timothy one ten, it's probably that's the, the stuff the Christians turn to to derive your like, love the sin or hate the sin sentiment, right? Yeah, I mean, but you just, love the sin or hate the sin, right? And you got that from First Timothy and First Corinthians, but right. except for those, but except for the fact that those hateful like anti-gay verses were updated to refer to homosexuality in this century. There's no word for the Bible describing homosexuality. It wasn't a word that existed in the ancient world. I know we talked about this last time. Whatever. 
Because you want to point to like the granddaddy of the anti-gay text in Romans, Romans 1, 26-27. It gives you all the ammo you need to be bigoted as a directive from the supreme deity of the universe, except for the fact that that passage that Paul is telling is a complicated old story being told in the past tense about evil beings that were like that he, that he was describing mysteriously and they were not named. And like, so you can say it, 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 these unnamed evil beings like got later turned into like, you know, people uh, taking a stance against LGBTQIA plus people, which is funny. Like if you know any people from like the LGBTQIA plus no, community, I don't, I don't want it, to. it's, you would never say they're wrong. You would say like, wow, they're great. Uh, no, but, I can tell you they're not. But to say they're wrong, is just not supported. The, the church just doesn't have the courage to open its head or heart. And it, it, I think that is going to be a real problem for the future of the church truly. And I don't know, maybe even like, I don't know, abortion. I feel like abortion is like turning the church into like a, just a political a political uh, pawn or something. Well, luckily, we're not going to have abortion anymore in a few weeks. Man, that is really nuts. It's funny, too, because a lot of Christians say they're pro-life um but man, if you think God, a lot of Christians say they're pro-life because of God or the Bible or whatever. But if you think that God is pro-life, I'm afraid you have not read the Bible. God is definitely pro-life. God knit babies together in the wombs, day. God killed his son. Trust me. If if there's a God and the Bible is a good description of him, he's cool with abortion. And you can quote, you knit me together in my mother's womb as your anti-abortion argument all you want. I love thinking about King David, like prolific polygamist, writing a poem meant to be sung that God included in the Psalms. Do you think he wrote the words, you knit me together in my mother's womb is the perfect argument for sonograms detecting fetal heartbeats and eventually fractioning a democratic experiment thousands of years later on the opposite side of the planet? I'm I'm pretty sure the pro-life movement is, is, is based on that one verse, but I'll tell you what, when it comes to terminating pregnancies, the Bible is pretty outspoken as to how to do it and when to do it not uh, the opposite no way oh great okay hold on i can pull it up on my phone genesis 2 7 says the bible says that life begins with the first breath not a detectable heartbeat so that would mean life begins at birth i can pull up my reference well on. it doesn't I, say what kind of breath because when you're in in your mom's tummy you're breathing all sorts of stuff you're not breathing you're a sea creature you're an underwater sea creature that's only receiving oxygen like through your blood in the same way like but just, yeah. I'm just saying, my, my point is, we don't know what kind of breathing that we're talking about. What about Exodus 21, 22 to 25, where it says fetuses are not persons? Or Numbers 5, 11 to 31, fetuses should be aborted as proof of adultery. God leads these priests. Oh, this is amazing. God leads these priests in a magical incantation to determine if a woman has like stepped out on her husband and cheated, and to also like sterilize her by mixing dust and holy water and making her drink it, which what? is amazing. It's, yeah, Numbers 5, 11 to 31, which actually it's funny because God trying to like sterilize women if they're like, you know, sexually active or whatever it almost seems like god is the one saying if a woman's gonna be sexually active he prefers birth control so maybe the church should be passing it out is this the message bible sometimes i don't like that translation no this one right here this is niv uh yeah it's amazing like it says these priests would take like dust and they would mix it with this holy water and they would do these incantations it's like all this like magic trick it's it's that's in the bible and 
it, but it's funny because that one in numbers is actually God talking about birth control. So maybe the church should be passing out birth control, not prohibiting the Hobby Lobby from covering their female employees' health care. Also, Deuteronomy 28, 18 to 24, life is not sacred. Second Kings 8, 12, God will rip open pregnant mothers to be Oh, Isaiah 13, 18, God says he will kill unborn fetuses. God moved the Medes tribe to rip up the fetuses and quote unquote, have no mercy on the fruit of a woman's womb and show no pity to the children. Hosea 9, 10 to 16, God will destroy fetuses in utero. God brags about causing miscarriages. He's proud of being a prolific abortionist. Hosea 13, 16, because of the Sumerians' rebellion, God promises to dash infants in pieces, those that are already newly born. And for the unborn, God promises to again, quote unquote, rip open pregnant women. I think that maybe people who are anti-abortion, and first of all, let's just dispel with the incredibly deceptive and self-congratulatory pro-life language. People who are anti-abortion are not pro-life. There are so many children and many, many young women who have been born and are rotting in the streets and in the systems, and the so-called pro-life folks are nowhere to be found. Once a fetus is born, especially if it's born to a person who's struggling, it's shit out of luck. All the energy and all the activism of those anti-abortionists, it all stops the moment life appears here in the flesh. You know what it takes to sustain life, to be pro-life? Those little kiddos need resources, education, and healthcare. That's pro-life. Like when someone is here, it's not a pro-life movement. It's a forced birth movement and it's anti-abortion. And anyway, it just seems like these forced birthers, you know, they think that Pro-choice people love abortion. Like, my dad loves drinking that prep gallon and having a doctor rummage around inside his booty hole. It's insulting. Nobody loves abortions. When you get one, it's a difficult thing, emotionally and physically. It's hard. It's painful. It's so hard on 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 the person who has to go through that, but you do it for your health and your future, just like other healthcare procedures that are not pleasant. Like, when a person terminates a pregnancy, they're not having fun. It's not part of health. It, 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 it's it's health care that's difficult and painful. Like, my dad has to do to address his health and protecting his future by having a doctor help him live longer. But honestly, I'll go back to something you were saying about how the Bible has answers for everything in the whole wide world. Like, you, you were saying, like, it gives you all this joy and peace. It answers any question you've ever had about why we're here and where this is all going. And, like, do, do you feel like it speaks to parts of modern life? Like, of what what's wrong, what's right and what's wrong? Like, with AI or the global economy or democracy or capitalism or crypto, do you feel like yeah. it speaks to all that stuff? Yeah, I totally do. I mean, you know, it speaks specifically to all those things. And that's why it's so important for us to know what's in there. And if, you know, if you know your Bible, you will have all the right answers. You'll be able to win any argument about morality or politics or anything, as I think has been demonstrated. So the Bible confirms all your beliefs and supports your ethics system and is all the proof you need to prove that you're right? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, at least I think so. Then can you explain Second Timothy 3.16 to me? Oh, you know, like all scripture is God breathed? Yeah. Keep going with that verse. What comes after that? <sighs> you know, I'll look it up later. I have it on my phone. I'll tell you the rest of verse 16, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. Scripture is for reproof, correction, and instruction. Yeah, that is awesome. What does reproof mean? Like proving? I looked it up. Reproof means blame or disapproval. Awesome. So this verse is saying that the Bible should be disapproving of our lives, not affirming them. Like how could it offer reproof or correct you? If you're already right with nothing else to learn. If the Bible is doing nothing but affirming everything you already believe, it seems like you're using it wrong, according to what it says. 
They should be disagreeing with you. Well, I mean, there's a great verse in the Bible that says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Hmm. You know what my favorite verse is right now? Probably something out of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, do you like D&D? No, of course not. It's really fun. It's uh, no, it's not. It's storytelling exactly like the Bible. You like it. It's 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 just like the Bible. The Bible has you know zombies, obviously with the dry bones. The Bible has um you know people being turned into pillars of salt, like much like the uh go- the goblins were oh, right, in Tolkien yeah. and all that stuff. You like it. It's really good. It's it's fun. It's storytelling. It's creative. It's actually like I I hate to tell grownups this, but it's like really wholesome <laughs> well actually i want to keep my social life so i'll never look at it mm, okay mm, my favorite verse is um galatians 5 1 okay it it says it is for freedom that christ has set us free so we should be freeing ourselves free people free people like we shouldn't be doesn't seem like according to Jesus we should be you know locking people up in a bunch of rules and regulations but do you think of yourself freedom. as a free person me yeah um yeah yeah and, and free yeah. people free people yeah <laughs> yeah okay well i'm asking you to free me right now because i've got to go i set me free I've got to go meet my friend Clay Mason Bannerman. Clay Mason Bannerman? Yeah, whatever. De Labonte was played by none other than Holly Laurent. You can hear her every single week on this podcast playing Holly Labonte. Gray House was played by Greg Hess. Follow us and Mega the Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you really want to get out of hell free card, support us on Patreon. The link is in the show notes.